This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that wishes it had the same compound returns as the ASX. I'm Scott Phillips, the Motley Fool's Chief Investment Officer, and I'm joined by the Managing Director of Strawman.com, Andrew Page. G'day, buddy. How are you? G'day, mate. Why, why would you want lower returns than what you've already got? Well, there is that. <laughs> like, you know, if I, could, if I could do it for 30 years, I'd be happy. I, I, get, where you, I get where you're coming from, and then I'll, oh, hang on. <laughs> You're destroying my whole theme. There's a theme. I'm going back to it. Oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. Swear to God. The magic of podcast, mate. Just theatre of the mind. Stick with me. Stick with me. We'll come back to it. Put it that way. Okay. (sighs) Bloody hell. Mate, (laughs) I feel deflated now. I was was, was trying to make, make a compliment. You know, but anyway, oh, yeah, oh, it didn't. Yeah. It didn't land. You know, we are early enough into this where we could just start all over again. I my <laughs> my portfolio is market beating. Thank you for asking. As is as is my service at the Motley Fool. I believe Strawman probably is too. Is that right? Well, mate, I wouldn't re- I wouldn't bring it up if that wasn't the case. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So when you say you give me a compliment, it was really a, an opportunity for me to actually throw it back to you. Is that what you really? It's mean? all it's all about me. It's always all about me. <laughs> enough about me. What do you think about me, um, mate? Uh, speaking of which, what is Strawman again? We're a private investment club. Oh, dude, you got to come up with something new. The listeners want new. They don't want the same. I can't do it. And I just, the more I've, it's actually, <laughs> it's actually been a really fun exercise because I keep having to think of different ways. And then I just keep coming back to, you know, simplest is best. And it's what, call a spade a spade, you know. Private investment call a spade club. A that's, shovel. that's what we are. In that case, mate, I'm going to send you a bill for the consulting over the past couple of months worth of iterations we've been doing on this podcast because uh, myself and our listeners have helped you design and, and, and refine what strawman.com is. I'm glad to know you've got to somewhere, uh, but there will be a, a check in there. Bill in the mail. Oh, you can send me a check back in the mail. Marketing, marketing by focus group. I love it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> mate, if I'm your focus group, you're in a world of hurt just quietly. <laughs> See what you can do. Mate, um, let's let's move on. This has been a big week, a really, really big week. I don't want to talk about COVID anymore. I'm kind of bored of it. Um, and I'm sure our listeners are bored of it. And frankly, there's not like there's a lack of COVID news everywhere else. Um, but we'll start with it very briefly. Vic coming out of lockdown, Queensland coming out of lockdown, New South Wales just grinds on in some horrible dystopian something. Um, so that's, we all know, we know all that. This week, mate, the... My biggest concern, my biggest watch out were the two confidence numbers. I don't know if you saw them on Wednesday. Wednesday, mm-hmm. Tuesday? Uh, Tuesday must have been. Business confidence down massively. Consumer confidence actually negative. And I don't know if I have a question or a comment or an observation. Uh, I have an observation. I'm, I'm really concerned economically. And this, is this impact investing? Maybe not. Maybe it doesn't matter. Um, but from, from a perspective of those listening who maybe are out of work on, on one of the JobKeeper style um, programs, something else, if we stay negative as a group, mate, we're going to create the very circumstances we're desperately trying to avoid. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying people should be positive for the sake of it. I'm not trying to talk up confidence. I'm just reflecting on it. Um, the government stuff's not landing, mate. And, and whether that's state, federal, regardless of your party or whatever, state you're in and who, who's your premier, or we all have the same PM, of course, um, it just worries me. I, I don't feel like... We are in a position to bounce out of this the way we did this time last year. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't like being negative. I actually much prefer being positive. It's much more fun. Um, but it just, it, it, there's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, if I had the purse strings at Treasury, mate, I would bring back a version of JobKeeper. I know it was rotted and we all know that stuff and blah, blah, blah. But what it did do was it gave everyone that sense of a backstop, right? It's the government is there to help us. We are going to be fine. We'll get through this. There's plenty of cash being thrown around. Oh, thank God. Let's get on with it. Mm. And I just don't feel like that's there at the moment. I, I, we're all, I mean, I'm not actually in lockdown. You're in lockdown. 
we're all kind of restricted to what we're doing and who we're talking to. Do you have a sense of how people are taking it or what's happening out there? Well, I'm actually in the Canterbury-Bankstown local government area. So where it was, mm-hmm. this is ground zero. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's pretty real. Um, it feels like you sort of say we're grinding on. I'd say we're grinding higher as we record. We have, the numbers for today haven't come out yet, but we're about as high as we've ever been. So, well, yeah, that was what I was going to get to. Yeah, keep going there. So, well, it's just, it's interesting because it's sort of like that definition of insanity where you keep doing the same thing but expecting a different <laughs> exactly. result. And, oh, you know, man, that's New South Wales. Just, oh, well, let's not get political too early, but bloody hell. If that's not New South Wales, I don't know what is. Well, it's just, it's just really weird. I mean, I guess <laughs> at what point do you go, oh, okay, we may maybe need to get a bit more serious about this. <laughs> this might actually be working the way we expected to. Yeah, yeah. I, and I get it too. I really understand that behind the scenes, there's a lot of people, as you say, that are hurting, that businesses in particular. Yeah. And, that, yeah. um, you know, they, they want things open. And, and I get, I really, really get that as, as a business owner. I absolutely yeah. do. But but the reality is, is it's kind of, I, I think there's a, there's a view that the alternative path, one where we're much more liberal and open and all that kind of stuff yeah. is is going yeah. to be better. I, I don't know if that's yeah. true. I think we've faced, this has been the story for me for the whole pandemic has been that the reality is, is it's just going to suck. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The question is how much yeah. does it suck? And it's <laughs> fair. You know, and it's sort of like, I think yep, if I was, if I was the premier, I would be very tempted yep. to say, really simple, really strong, really far-reaching, all of Greater Sydney, mm. massively locked down for two weeks. And that's right, easy, okay. it's easy to say if you're, if you're someone that can comfortably yeah, work from home. And so so I think you, you definitely need to pay people to sit home. If, if you're, particularly in, in some mm. of the areas that have a lot of hot spots, and we know that they're some of the more disadvantaged areas of Sydney, it's, yeah. it's, it's very easy for the, what do they say, the, the, the inner city latte-sipping elites. <laughs> Chardonnay socialists, you know, the, to sort of say, yeah. oh, they're, they're but when you're when you're going to put bread on the table yeah. and pay rent, and you yeah. know that means going out to to do your job, it's you have to pay people, and I I feel as though yeah. the feds should probably step in at this point and and just just yeah. make that happen, and it's going to suck, and it's going to cost a lot of money, but then there's there's probably going to have an impact, whereas where we're going at the moment, it's just as you say, it's going to grind yeah. on and on and on and on, it's going to cost more and more money, and like and at, at the end of the day, when there's the final reckoning and we tally it all up. It's just going to be more mm. more crappy than than what it would be with with the first crappy alternative. So it's, I don't. It's, I find it really me, frustrating. Right? I, I get. Let's see. So I, ideologically, I'm in favour of lockdown. Let me put that on the on the table. But even take take my own preference away. If I was just setting up a, a range of outcomes in some sort of what do they call those charts, where they're kind of probability charts, you know, when you kind of go, you take one branch, oh, it's like and a branch, yeah, 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 yeah. So you start to go, okay, well, I'm going to lock. If is the strategy going to include lockdowns or not? If the, if the answer is no, then let let it rip and just do it. And they should have done it three months ago. And let the chips fall where they fall. Now, I think that would be a terrible idea. But if you're going to do that, do it. If you're going to lock down, then your choice is: do I do it early or late, hard or simple, hard or easy? And mm-hmm. it just like you know, in in trying to keep things open, they've actually just made the whole thing longer and worse. And we're still not getting on top of the case count. The economy is still going backwards. Mm. So it's kind of like we've ended up with the worst of both worlds. And at some yeah. point, to your point, don't you don't you stop and say, yeah, look, this isn't actually working. Let's, let's do something different. All right, yeah. let's move on from that, mate, because let's not get into bloody health policy and public policy because we're probably turning some people off. Let's go to, though, the, I guess, the, the, the burning question around the ASX. We are, and you, you know, we are absolutely grinding higher. I think I've made that point maybe two or three times on media only in the last week in different forums that, you know, even if it's not every single day, it's almost every day. And it's not by a lot. It's just this genuine, kind of this, this steady march upwards. And it's supposed to be the case, you know, the market's supposed to climb a wall of worry and all that kind of stuff. But it just seems to 
just keep every day. It's like this one foot after the other, you know, climbing Everest. Um, and and in the context of the market declining now, I think or the, the economy. Sorry, now I think you know you and I both know that short term econ- economic impacts shouldn't matter. Mm. Maybe to some degree, the longer this goes on, the longer or the further away interest rate increases are. So maybe there's some sort of perverse maths that says it makes sense for shares to be a bit higher because it means we're going to have longer without higher rates, which we've talked about before makes you know. Um, price earnings ratios and debt loads and stuff more bearable and, and, you know, more appropriate. I do wonder though, is there a disconnect or is this, is this legitimate? What, what, do you, what do you think is going on in the market given this juxtaposition of, of the economy and, and share prices? I don't know. I, I've heard a lot of uh, sensible guesses, um, but, but they're all guesses and, and we don't really know. I think yeah, you, you touched on a couple that, you know, yet although things look a bit mm, uh, difficult, mm. that means interest rates are going to uh, lower for longer, which sort of helps justify higher prices. There's mm. also the fact that, you know, the, 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 the bricky from Bankstown probably isn't a major participant in the market as well. So the people who mm, are most mm. suffering through this pandemic um, are not the ones that are making the movement. It's, it's you know, it's the, uh, the investment bankers and the white-collar workers elsewhere that, that are, as we know, <laughs> these lockdowns actually can be a bit of a net positive financially because you're spending a lot less, but, the, but your money's still coming in. So maybe, maybe yeah. that's having a bit of a drive as well. And then there's just the general sort of herding behaviour of markets. Markets are going up. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, will, will you buy? And, and those, those things sort of, there's a bit of momentum, as they say, in the market. I don't know, mate. It is. It is. I do. I do. I do look at it. So we. So we are. The All Lords is a thousand points above where it was at the the height of uh, two thousand and seven, uh, before the GFC. Yep. Um, and when you look, I've just got a long term chart up here at the moment. When you look at where we were in March of last year to now, it's almost a vertical line. It shoots yeah, straight up. It's incredible, isn't it? It's yeah. just amazing. So. I, I'm just going to shrug my shoulders and go. Oh, that's that's really it. I guess you keep well, investing anyway. Yeah, of course I do. Um, I, I'm, I'm probably I haven't bought anything for a while, but then again, I don't really okay. invest in the market. I invest in individual businesses, and there's there's, there's a. You, yeah. I think you've got to sometimes focus more on the trees than the than the forest. Um, yeah. But yeah, it it feels it 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 feels a little bit toppy, but you know, it, it's I've I've said that a lot over the last few years, and and look look where we are. So. Mm. Yeah, I like it. I think that's right. I the, the the thing I always add for people who are wondering. We've said this before, and and to some degree, I set up I set up the you know the question for us to give have an opportunity to speak to people about markets, um, and we will a bit later speak about one of the well, one of my favourite days of the year. I'm not going to give it away just yet. Um, it's it, the the well. Firstly, we know from studies in the US there is no correlation between GDP and market returns. Literally none. No. So when people say, well, the economy is going up, therefore shares should go up, or the economy is going down, therefore shares should go up, it just doesn't happen that way. Now, should it? I don't know. Maybe that's even a different question, but it doesn't. So if you're looking at numbers and trying to correlate them and, and invest accordingly, history says that's not the best thing to try and do because it doesn't tend to be correlated. Mm-hmm. Secondly, I will say, I think I mentioned this before, mate, if I have, my apologies, but Jeremy Siegel, the Wharton professor who wrote, is it Stocks for the Long Run, I think? Am I right in saying yep, that? Yep, yep. Great book. So he, he was on CNBC, the US Business Network, this time last year, maybe even earlier, maybe March, April last year. And he said, if, and this is really, really important, if every single US company went, profit went to zero for 2020, and then 2021 got back to normal levels, the most it should have wiped off share prices is 10%. Mm. And that's really important, right? So if you're not, you know this, Andrew, but for our listeners, if you're not used to the market, the market's job is to say a share or a company is worth the value of its future cash flows. And we're not going to get the algebra, 
But here's, here's an example, right? If you know you're going to get a dollar a year for the next 10 years, you should pay about 10 bucks for that, for that cash flow, right? If I said to you, I'll give you a dollar a year for the next 10 years, how much do you want to give me up front to, to get that money back? It's not quite $10 because you, you got the value of time and stuff, but just for the sake of fun of it, let's work with it. So, you know, it, it, you're, the promise is worth what you're going to get from it over the next period from here to whenever you stop. Mm-hmm. For shares, for companies, in theory, they're going to be in business almost forever. And so if you think about what's, you know, what's Woolies worth, what's BHP worth, what's CBA worth, we'll get to CBA in a minute, it is the profit from that company, not this year, not next year, not the year after, but every single year from here until Woolies goes out of business. Mm. Now, discount it for the time value, and again, we won't get the algebra of it, but just work with me on this one. And so Siegel's point, who, and Siegel's done the maths, and he says, yep, so what that means is if every single US company went to zero for a year, and then back to normal levels, it should cost you 10% of your share prices. Mm. That's the equivalent component. And so when the, when the market drops 38 40%, as it did in March and April 2021, or 2020, I should say, mm-hmm. it was effectively saying the profits will go nowhere. They'll be zero for four straight years. And that was always kind of crazy, right? And so that's the important thing to remember is even if, and there's not, but even if, there, if, there, if there was a correlation, even if we go back into recession, even if company profits fall by 25%, pick a number, Again, I won't, you know, I, I don't want to get the algebra in the way, but that's maybe three, five, seven, eight percent max. Now, if it takes three years to go back to normal, okay, maybe it's 10 percent, maybe it's 12 percent, maybe it's 15 percent. But it's not, you know, sell everything, the economy's gone to hell, you know, the market's stuffed. And I think that is the key message. Warren Buffett's been investing for 80 something years, um, 70 something years. You know, he, he's invested through wars and recessions and everything else. And he says the same thing that, you know, despite all that stuff, the market actually went up during World War II. Mm. Um, you know, these things are important to remember. So I just want to kind of throw that out as a first of all saying, I shouldn't invest because shares are too high. I shouldn't invest because the economy is a problem. I shouldn't invest whatever. Generally speaking, it's, it's, a easy, it's an easy thing to fall for. It's an easy view to have. Just be careful because when you do the math, it may not work out the way you think it's going to. Excellent point. So? Excellent point. A uh, couple couple points of sort of um, nuance around that. Um, one 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 would. Here's one, where you're wrong, Scott. No no no. I'm not. You're 100 percent <laughs> right. You're 100 percent right. But but I'm sure go people on. are going. Oh, but what about this and what about that? And, yeah. and one oh, of, cool. Okay. Yeah. Go for so it. So one of them might be. Well, we we do assume that the starting point was a perfectly fair and accurate uh, valuation. So, yes. so so it could yes. be that. Uh, the share the share price was insanely overvalued, and then you know we 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 apply your your reasoning to it, but then you you probably need mm-hmm. to sort of apply that and the fact that it was already at a, at a two higher point. So there's 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 one yep. point. Um, the other is is that the example you're talking about is a business that takes takes the knock on the chin and then things go back to normal. Um, yep. So the, the the exceptions to the to the rule are the one that might be in the long term structural decline. Uh, it's mm-hmm. just you know it's the, it's the maker of the the, the Betamax uh, videos or or the, or the pages uh, or the yeah. fax machines. You laser know, disc. Yeah, 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 laser disc. It's kind of like look, you know, Kobo e-reader potentially. Andrew? <laughs> yeah, but let's not talk. I've, I've got a I've got a Kindle now, so I've, I've upgraded. Oh, there you go. Uh, and yeah. for listeners, Andrew Andrew had many years ago when we worked together. <laughs> he had the uh, what would you call it? The, is it the Betamax of e-readers? Is it the I think you, I think you positioned it as the budget choice, the the value choice, the uh, the sensible, thoughtful choice. You bought a Kobo. E reader from was it Barnes and Noble originally spun that out? So, I'm remember. such a tight ass. It was slightly cheaper than the Kindle, <laughs> so I thought I'd go for that. And you know, yeah, it worked just as well. But there was just so many disadvantages to the to the market leader. That's a whole other. That's a whole other story. Yeah, sorry, mate. I distract you. You've talked about structural uh, structural declines. <laughs> well, it's, it's just that yeah, like it, it, what 
that's what you call a value trap. Mm. So it sort of looks cheap mm. because the whole market's fallen. These kind of companies have also fallen, but yep. they might not get back to normal because they're already sort of sailing into some very stiff winds mm. and mm. and, mm. and might be might be might be like there's existential risks on the horizon. Yep. Um, yep. So so yeah, I I I I'd point that out. And then and then of course there are the businesses that might otherwise have survived and might otherwise have had a great future, but they mm. just had very very leveraged balance sheets or. You know, just, just that they don't, they don't have the they don't have the capacity to weather the storm, and they get mm-hmm. wiped out. Which is why you and I, and I think a lot of most sensible investors do pay a particular attention to that because you you don't want to <laughs> you, you don't want to you don't want to um, ever be in a position where you're desperately trying to raise capital in the depths of a recession or God forbid a depression <laughs> or something like that because you just won't yeah. come out the other side. Yeah. So so yeah, but other than that, absolutely right. But there's a bit of bit of context around that. Yep, I think that's I think that's absolutely. I think you know what, what I will say, and again, I think that's really important. For, less important, ironically, in major market dislocations where everyone's like, "Oh my God, COVID, sell everything." Yeah, but I think you're absolutely right. If if Telstra was fifteen dollars and fell to eleven, um, does it make a good value? Probably not. No, <laughs> yeah, and, for, and for good reasons, as you say. Yeah. Over the last twenty five years, has been not a low enough price to pay for AMP shares, for example. Yeah, um, and we'll talk about that in a minute too. So that you know those those structural challenges are are real and that kind of stuff. Yeah. All right, let's um. Let's move on, mate. <laughs> Let's not get political. Let's talk about the climate instead. How's that oh, for a segue? Um, we're not, we won't try. We'll try and spend too much time on this. The, I wanted to talk about this one because the IPCC, the International Panel on Climate Change, released their report on was it Sunday night, Monday morning our time, I think, mm. this week. And I have my view on the climate. You have your view on the climate. They are the same, which is the science is real. We should act. This though is a. We made this point kind of before, but oil fell four and a half percent on Monday morning as a result of the IPCC report. Businesses, generally speaking, including the world's largest fund manager, BlackRock, we may have talked about this before, hmm. are, are pretty much saying, you guys better sort this out because it's coming and, you know, it will have a it will have a financial, material financial impact hmm. on some businesses. BlackRock is divesting from a whole heap of carbon-exposed uh, businesses, not for any ideological reason, though you, we, could, we could suppose there might be something there, but simply because they're saying, well, hang on, if I... We talk about the, the future cash flows of a business... If oil becomes more expensive and or taxed higher, if there are carbon taxes on coal or other fossil fuels, if even if Australia does nothing, but our trading partners impose extra taxes and tariffs, which are being apparently you know, discussed, postulated, suggested, proposed, um, these, these impacts are real. And I think that's where... I guess I just wanted to... A bit like the first point we made about, about the market... Just a reminder, it doesn't actually matter from an investing perspective what perspe- what, what view you have on climate change. It actually doesn't matter because mm. the only, you know, I mean, you can make, so air quotes, ethical decisions. Do you want to have a slightly different view on that? Um, but separate to that, even if, whether you do or you don't, the market is going to decide for you because the polity, our, our politicians and governments around the world and consumers are going to decide for you what these businesses are worth. And it's not to say that businesses can't be worth something. Every, you know, if, it, if it is, I said it's cheap enough because everyone hates it, you still make a lot of money buying it. So I'm not saying you should necessarily go out and invest in every fossil fuel company just because it, it has to, by definition, go to zero or fall meaningfully from here. But it is, a, you know, the, the, the oil price on Monday is a reminder that the market will decide for you if you don't decide for yourself. And it doesn't really matter. My view or your view or our listeners' view on climate change per se, or even whether or not government should do anything about it. The fact that the circumstance, the business circumstances are going to change, it reminds me of the old Wayne Gretzky quote, you know, they asked, someone asked him, why are you so good? 
He said, I don't skate to where the puck is, I skate to where the puck is going. And as investors, that's our job, right? Look forward and say, which businesses can I find that are worth a lot more in the future because of X, Y, and Z? And hopefully avoid those businesses where you look forward and go, gee, this, like take AMP, right? This business is not gonna be worth much in the future. Mm. I don't know, mate, that was part editorial, part view, part investing advice. Your thoughts, if you have any on, on the IPCC report, the investing implications, the business implications? No, it's, it's so much depressing stuff out there at the moment. We're, um, gonna, move, we're gonna move on, I promise. <laughs> oh, man. I think, look, I think it's true in investing and it's true as in life. You, 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 there, there's the world as you would like to have it and there's the world as it, as it is. <laughs> And, you know, with with the market, it's that old saying, you know, in the long term, it's a weighing <laughs> machine. In the short term, it's a voting machine. And I think yeah, the, right. the, the weight of fact and observable truth <laughs> will will <laughs> will out in the end. So, yeah, yeah. so if you do have a different view on all of that yeah. kind of stuff, you need to yeah. be you need to be pretty confident in that view. And you need to somehow reconcile the fact that besides you, there's a few funny people on Facebook that share it. And maybe some yeah. after dark sky hosts, you know. Other than that, the, the world's the world's. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just I, look. I'm not smart, and I don't know. I've never studied this stuff, right? Mm. Um, uh, and I just read the news like everyone else. But when, when yep. virtually every single one of the leading experts on the planet who have devoted their lives studying it and have been debating this for decades have reached a very strong and unanimous consensus. It takes a very special and bold person to think that they know better because they read something on Facebook. Mm. It just, I'd, I'd, I'd like to sympathise with that view and that's, okay, fine, you've landed that way, okay, whatever. Um, but if you're actually going to be putting your money on it and and making right. bets around that, um, uh, you know, this isn't something that you, you can't just win by shouting louder on Twitter with this one. This this is, this as I say, the, the, the weight of, of things will eventually out. So I, I just urge, I'd urge an, an objective level-headed approach here. Mm. And the other thing is as well is that I don't think, I think anyone who has 100% certainty in life and in investing is probably on shaky ground. Um, mm. Mm. But at least allow for the possibility that you're wrong. Um, and ask yourself yep. what that means for some of the investments that you might be making because um, you have to factor that in even if there's a 10 or 20% chance that you're wrong. And I think you'd have to sort of probably assume that that's, that's a very favourable odds uh, given where <laughs> things sort of sit. Anyway, mm. I, good, mm. good luck to you. I'm not, I'm not going to be making um, investments in that area for, for both ethical and for the fact that I like money uh, reasons. <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting point, mate. I... I'm, I'm curious. So I, I just went and grabbed um, a chart of Whitehaven Coal. And if you look at Whitehaven Coal, these, these shares were 80-odd cents, 85 cents in August of last year. They're now $2.35. And I, so I guess I'm just uh, – maybe it's an open question. Maybe it's a question you don't, you don't want to answer. How, how cheap would some of these companies need to be for you to go, you know what, I'm going to hold my nose and invest anyway because there's too much money on the table. If it was – 10 cents, 20 cents, 40 cents. And I'm not talking about why I haven't particularly because I'm mm. asking you to uh, know that business super well. I'm just, you know, I, yeah, I I'm, I'm also reminded that, you know, uh, Altria, we've talked about this before, the old Philip Morris, the cigarette company, was the best performing stock in the US over half a century. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, the reverse is also true, right? We can say, well, here is where the future's going and there's money to be made, so I'll do it. We can say, here's where the future's going and there's money to be lost, I'm going to avoid it. They're not so obvious a... a um, a, a separate group, right? If you'd if you'd in nineteen, I don't know what I don't know when the data started. Nineteen thirty-five. Let's pick it. No, it would have been later. Probably nineteen fifty. 
And he said, right, I'm going to buy Altria 950. And someone said, mate, smoking's going to kill you and there's going to be regulation and there's going to be rules and people are going to stop it. And, and you go, oh, okay, fair enough, I won't do it. The, the, the lost profit would be stupendously huge. So, so putting the ethical considerations, ethical investing considerations specifically aside, is there a point at which you kind of go, this is too cheap to ignore. Maybe it's a cigar butt, to use Warren Buffett's phrase, maybe there's some value there. You know, it's, it's just too cheap to ignore. Or do you simply got to go, nah, not touching it regardless from an investing perspective, as I said, as opposed to an ethical one, just because the future is too hard to guess? No, I, I think that's perfectly a valid approach. I've seen some people I really respect. Um, uh, saw Gaurav from Intelligent Investor the other day. I, I think he's, he's one of the smarter uh, guys out there. And he, he, he makes some pretty good cases for some of this stuff. It, it's, about, it's about knowing what the thesis is and knowing the investment type. There was, it, everything gets lumped together on the share market, but there's, there's a thousand different ways to sort of play it. There's a thousand different strategies and approach. And I think what you're saying is a perfectly sensible one. There would be a point, mm-hmm. like if you offered me Whitehaven Coal, the entire business for one cent, I would buy it today, <laughs> right? Now, if you offered it to me for $2 trillion, I wouldn't. Now, logically, I don't know where the point lies because I haven't done the work, but somewhere between those two ridiculous extremes, there is, there is a point which makes sense and, and below that point, the further you get below that point, the more attractive it gets. So that's absolutely yeah. the case. It's a different type of investment though. You might be buying something that you feel belongs to an expanding industry, which is a market leader, which itself is growing, which has favorable economic. That's, that's the kind of business you just love to just keep in the bottom drawer. These are yeah, the kind of yeah. businesses that, while that is true, you can you can you can do well with these kinds of businesses. You've got to re- understand that it is mm. not a, is not a set and forget because at some point, well, mm. the, the the thesis mm. is that the market mm. will go. Despite all its problems, it's just too cheap. So when that what yeah. they what they yeah. call a re-rate happens and the market goes, oh, actually, this is too cheap. You, you've just you've got to be a bit. You've got to have your finger a bit closer to the sell button. You can't you can't be as yeah. so sanguine yeah. about about it. So. So, so to answer your question, yes, you can, but you just have to frame that within the proper investment strategy. And, and so Peter Lynch is an investor we often talk about, one one of the mm-hmm. smartest guys in the world I mean, when it comes to investing. Um, he he has different buckets. So there's all these different types of shares that he will buy, but you know, some are long-term compounders, some are defense, mm-hmm. some are the cigar mm-hmm. buds. Yeah, I, I forget the actual names that he's got, but but yeah, yeah. you've just got to put you've got to put that investment into the proper context is what I'm 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 saying very long-windedly. No, I like that, man. I think I think it's actually a really really good point. It also means you have to be by putting it in that bucket, you have to be right on a different time frame. Yeah. And so it does make it a, a riskier investment almost by definition, right? Mm. This is not a cigar butt idea that's going to come good at some point. Almost open-ended. You know, if and when people realise that, well, this is a good business, it'll go from 20 to 40. Mm. And I can wait for a while because I get a dividend and it's fine. And, you know, it's, it wasn't ever exactly a cigar, but you know what I mean? It's yep. probably a bad example, but it was best I could come up with quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, the flip side is if you know or you believe there is to some degree a burning platform here and it's like, maybe I can make a couple of bucks before the platform completely burns to the ground. Pennies, pennies in front of steamrollers. Uh, right? Well, just, I mean, it can, it can be a longer time. Maybe it's 10 years, maybe it's 15 years. And I'm not, I'm not saying you, you should, can't or shouldn't do it. And I'm not even, it, it's a good, I love the pennies in front of steamroller idea because that's that's kind of a, it, it is right. Some degree. Maybe it's not, maybe it's, maybe it's, you know, large amounts of dollar bills in front of a steamroller, mm. but the steamroller was still coming, right? And so you've still, still got to weigh that up and say, maybe I'm right, but if this doesn't play out before I run out of time, you know, the, 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 the wick has been lit, the fuse has been lit, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe I grab the bag of cash and get out of there before the blast goes off. But gee, if I don't, this this goes badly. And I guess that's the only thing I'd probably add to your your very good point, which is just play the game, but also know there is to some degree. I always that's time bound absolutely because maybe it's not. Maybe 
White Haven Coal is worth $85 a share in 20 years' time and we both look silly. But on the off chance that maybe there is some impact on, you know, it is ends up owning stranded assets or the taxes become so punitive that it can't make as much money as it used to, they are they are real issues that frankly don't have with Woolworths or someone else. We look, you know, nah, maybe, maybe there's other competition, sure, but you know, there's something, not something kind of structural that almost, you know, regulatory or, or whatever you want to call it, that kind of is this... The, the the sword hanging over hanging over the head waiting to waiting to fall. Uh, yep, yep. And I think another really important consideration here is is management and the board yep. because it depends on how you play it. So let's say um, we'll just stick with Whitehaven for the sake of example, mm-hmm. and they basically say, look, we, we, this is a sun what they call a sunset industry. You know, that our, our yeah. time we're li- we're living on borrowed time. Maybe it's a few decades, but eventually this kind of business is going to be much more difficult. And, mm. and, and so each year they earn money because, you know, it's a, it's a profitable business. Um, mm. Mm. Uh, and then they say, we're just going to, we're going to run this, what they call run it for cash. So any, any money mm. that we mm. pull out, we're going to give to shareholders. We're going to minimize any kind of reinvestment into the business. We're only going to do what you call maintenance expenditure, just enough to keep the tractors uh, and the diggers and oh, tractors, what am I talking about? The diggers <laughs> and the dump trucks. <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, the, the choo-choo trains and then and the, and the <laughs> exactly yeah. that's how it works, doesn't it? Um, uh, the, you we know, know boats, yeah, we're right. And so when you do that, the calculus becomes a little bit easier because they can just sort of say, "Look, we know at some point it's not going to be the viable uh, to, to run either because the, the price on the market isn't good enough, or because our cost of extraction goes up as the mine life, uh, you know, as, as the quality of, of the resource yeah. diminishes, etc., etc., etc." That's that's a very different scenario. That, that a company that says, well, we've 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 made all this money. Hey, let's not give it to shareholders. Mm. Let's let's buy another mine because that's what we do. <laughs> um, right. And 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 that just becomes harder and harder. So where where mm. the cigarette company example is really poignant for me and really different yeah. is that they were smart. And what they did is they mm-hmm. said, I, we see the writing on the wall. So they didn't take in, they didn't take their money that they'd earned and, and, is, and, and invest in new um, cigarette factories. Mm-hmm. Um, they mm-hmm. actually divested massively and they actually yeah. just kept things going at, at, at just ticking over. We, we, you know, people still smoke today, right? So it's, it's, they knew that there was a long tail on this thing, but we're not reinvesting. We're not doubling down. So my worry with, with some of these plays would be is that although it makes sense in a lot of ways, if you've got a management and board that are just like to, to the man with the hammer, everything looks like a nail. And if you're you on the to it. if you're on the board of of a, <laughs> of a coal mining company and all you know is yeah. coal, and any money you make, you're just doubling down on coal. That's a very different story to someone says, mm-hmm. "Well, actually, we're a business. We happen to make it only this way now, but we're gonna we're either gonna give it back to shareholders or we're gonna invest into new and different areas that mm-hmm. that don't have these these headwinds." That's just a, a starkly different uh, situation. So I, I would. Mm-hmm. I would want to have a good read on what what the board and management's intentions were. It's a difficult one, mate. I so I agree with you completely. I I, I struggle with I struggle with businesses changing stuff. <laughs> so let me let me let me let me flesh this out. Right, if I buy shares in Whitehaven Coal, I'm explicitly buying a coal mine. I'm explicitly buying a management team. I'm explicitly buying a balance sheet. Mm. And the company, to some degree, as long as shareholders are happy, is entitled to do whatever it wants with that. That business within the realm of you know legalities and and board approvals, but I'm if I'm buying a coal mine, I'm not sure I want my. But well, I mean, bad example given this. If I buy Woolies, right, and they decide they want to go into to drone manufacturing, <laughs> on one hand you're like, oh they're they're diversifying, that's great, or they're getting into growth businesses, that's great. 
I don't. I, I've always struggled with businesses who just simply feel like they should be allowed to, because some fiefdom of the CEO and the board, just do whatever the hell they want. And on one hand, I'm like, you know That's what? Fair. Yes, you're the steward mm. of my capital. It's your responsibility to use it as well as you can and maximise the value. So on one hand, you're being completely responsible. On the other hand, dude, I can take my money out. I can invest in any company. If I want to buy a drone manufacturing business, diversify my own portfolio, I'll do that. Thanks very much. I don't want you, Woolies, you know, making drones. Mm. And so the, the coal company thing, I, I don't, it's, it's, I, I'm, I'm biased to some degree because I'm like, well, hang on, I think that's probably a death industry and frankly, if you can find other ways to not blow up capital, I prefer you do it, good idea. On the other hand, I'm like, if I buy a coal company, do I, you know, I don't know. Do you have a, do you have a view on, on kind of how broad managers' mandate should be in that stuff? Uh, I think it's an excellent point. My my view is, is that I, I'm actually pretty happy with all of that as long as, and this is the key thing, is that it is clearly articulated and communicated. So the board yeah. and CEO that, that that decides one day that, you know, in Woolies actually we're going into drone manufacturing. Whoa, that's mm, mm. but those that says, hey, listen, we've got a long here's, you know, we've got we've got some challenges. Longer term we're looking to do this. And they just lay it out. Mm, mm, that way as a shareholder, you've got you've got the choice to whether you want to go along for the ride or not. It's it's when things get yeah. done in a in a surprising or unexpected way. That that's where I have the problem with. Now, look at Wes Farmers might be a good example here, right? So they, they they have sort of evolved into a conglomerate from where their origins were as well. And that's worked out very well. They've mm. gone into all kinds of different things. Um, Solpats, yeah. right? Another great example. Started out in chemists yep. and yep. now they've got a, yep. they've got stakes in, in actually coal mine um, and other things. Yeah, correct. yeah that's right. Um, Bring us full circle. Yeah. So 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 and, and and that's cool because they've I think they've always been pretty open about mm. that kind and you you mm. know as a shareholder to expect it. So you're right to raise yeah. it, but as long as it's clear, clearly communicated, then I'm I'm cool with it. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. I just uh, every company's going to at some point if that's the if that's the approach, right? I guess that's yeah. I don't know. If I if I got a portfolio of twenty companies, I've probably done that myself to get to own the companies I want to own, right? For the reasons I want to own them. Solpats, when I, I own shares, I bought it as a conglomerate, and you're right, it has changed. I get that's what they do. Yeah. You know, if Rob Milner says, "Oh, looks, so all we decided to do is we're going to sell those other businesses. We're just going to get. We're just going to stay all in on." Um, Pharmaceutical wholesaling. Mm. We're going to become a, a pharmaceutical wholesaling operating business. Like, but that's not what I wanted. I know you think you're doing the right thing, and I appreciate it. But that's not what I want you to do. It's, that's not the business I'm, I'm, I think I'm buying. You know, it's and it's a difficult one because, as you say, there's plenty of examples. Berkshire Hathaway itself. Yeah. Was I and I own shares in that? Was it was a textile Tex, mill? Textile. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so if it had done that forever, it would have gone broke. Then again, should Buffett have you know started another company? So I'm going to start a, a diversified investment conglomerate. Arguably, anyway. Just probably, probably a tangent, mate, but I've just always struggled with that because, frankly, it gives we also know, you and I, that one of Peter Lynch's other famous lines is de-worsification, rather diversification, yeah. where this is exactly what companies tend to do, right? They either open new businesses, they buy businesses to diversify the asset stream. So, you know, Woolies gets into drone manufacturing because it's diversifying. Look, I'm, I'm being smart. I'm diversifying. Everyone says you should do it, right? It's one of the tens of investing. I'm diversifying. And they tend to screw those things up. And so I kind of... When it's done well, you look back and go, "Oh, Solpats, of course it should have been." You know, of course, look how much value the credit. That's wonderful. Um, and there's plenty of others that that have gone by the wayside, trying to do similar things, or just simply, you know, choosing to try and do something different at some at some point, and just yeah. completely blowing the whole thing up. And you kind of go, "Yeah, you know what? If you just stuck with your business, you, you know, you're knitting. I could have chosen to buy or sell the shares, and we could have happily, you know, lived ever, happily ever after to some degree." Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Let's go from the sublime to the Commonwealth Bank. 
Uh, you can fill your own uh, fill, fill your own numbers in there. Ten billion dollars is being returned to Commonwealth Bank shareholders, mate. And this is got headlines all over the joint. Profit up nineteen point seven percent. Is there a better business on the ASX than the Commonwealth Bank? Yes. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. I set you up for that one. Tell you what, have the have has the press not been just unbelievably. I'll say fawning, and I say press, I don't want to grab every single journal in the same thing because that's not fair. There's a lot of... I don't I don't blame journals anymore. They've got to print out 848 stories a day with three people in the newsroom, and you get a press release, and you go, okay, cool, I'll write down those numbers and I'll, mm. I'll put them out because they're, they're real numbers. That's what Commonwealth Bank reported, and so it's all fine. Have you looked Have you looked at the operating numbers under that reported profit? So a couple of couple things. Yes, I have. Um the okay, the first thing is yeah where where it gets because I was um, went for a drive yesterday and I, I was listening to the news and obviously CBA came out and it's, it's lots of billions and you know it sounds nineteen point seven percent growth ten billion dollars in cash to shareholders eight point six five billion dollar profit mate there's a big numbers you got it they're huge numbers but then this is a huge company the, the the market capitalization so for those that don't know let's just take all the shares on issue and times it by the share price that's what the the, mm-hmm. the market thinks the company as a whole is worth. Is one hundred and ninety-two billion dollars. So, so numbers, you know, ten billion dollars sounds like what? Ten billion dollars is a lot. <laughs> I was going to say, if not, feel free to give it to me. Then it's, it's a hell of a lot of money. But you, you, yeah. you I, I just think you have to put it in context. It's the same when the market falls two yeah. percent. But instead of saying the market falls two percent, the financial media says it. So, you know, X billion dollars was wiped off the market. You know, it's just. I think some some. You you got to put these things in context. Um, the other yeah. thing is as well yeah. is that and and. I often like to put the boot into the banks, but let let you me. Do. But let me let me, <laughs> let me put some context around that because it always causes people to scratch their head. Commonwealth Bank is a very very strong business. It will be around mm. for decades to come. It's a very very low risk business. You can bet mm. your bottom dollar you will continue to get a really reliable dividend stream out of this. I'm sure there'll be some years where you don't get much, and then other years where it's better. But this is this is a very high quality business. It's it, it operates in a very cozy oligopoly. Mm. Um, it's too mm. big to fail, um, you know. So even even if things get really scary, the government's always going to yeah. bail them out, right? So there's a moral hazard yeah. and stuff. So 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 I'm not. This is not. This is not me saying it's a terrible business and it's going to go to zero. <laughs> yeah. Ab- absolutely not. And if you've got them and you've had them for a while, I'm sure you could have made far far worse investments than that. I just think yeah. that I do think though that the the um, it gets oversold, that people do over-egg the pudding here on this. Mm. Um, so in terms of like CBA, which I would argue is probably the best of the big four banks in terms of how it's run, their, yeah. um, their per share earnings are less in this year, up 19%, than they were in 2013. Um, yeah. The dividend yeah. that they're paying, even though it was a big increase on in last year, was less than they were paying in 2013, 2014, 2015. 2016, mm. 2017. In fact, <laughs> you know, in fact, uh, earnings and dividends have sort of yeah, moved around a little bit, but they haven't they haven't done much. There hasn't been much growth there. It's kind of been like a holding a bond, mm. um, Commonwealth yeah. Bank, um, uh, in the sense that yeah, you sort of your money will still be there more or less when you go to sell, and you might get three and <laughs> three and a half percent, four percent with some, admittedly, with some really nice franking credits as well. So again, like really yeah. decent investment. But I just think I just I don't think it's this 
ticket to riches that it often gets, you know, this can't lose, will always make great <laughs> returns. That was true between like the late 90s and 2000 up to yeah. the GFC. It was just phenomenal because there was incredible growth in in operating profit, in cash flows, in dividends. And that so the, the share price rose very, very strongly, but it was underpinned by a very material improvement in the fundamentals. In the last, in in, but that's not really true. Over the last five six years, I mean, we've had a little bit of a jump recently, but it has pretty much gone sideways. It hasn't been this phenomenal investment that that people make it out to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I that that that's why I'm a little bit negative on it. And now that we have really raced up, um, I, I just think that. It, if you're the kind of person that wants really low risk, if you're the kind of person that really has a big <laughs> emphasis on dividends, and you're the kind of person who thinks a total average return over the next five, say, years of, let's call it six, seven percent, if you're happy mm-hmm. with that, fill your boots. CBA is the stock for you. <laughs> I, you know, you, yeah. you do far worse. Yeah. I, I just think for someone, we'll talk about the average returns of the market in a moment. Um, we will. But for someone, for someone who, like me, is trying to get a little bit better than that, I just think that there are actually better risk reward propositions that are out there. There will come a time um, when, in fact, you could probably argue there was a really good time last year, which I, I didn't act on because I was acting on other things. But when 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 blood is in the streets, that's when you buy the banks because they're not going to fail. Yeah, right. You know, just get back up the truck. You'll do very well. And in fact, <laughs> you could have bought. You could have bought CBA for let's just like just less than sixty two bucks. You, you could have almost yeah. doubled your money in a in a hundred ninety billion dollar company, right? Um, <laughs> that doesn't happen yeah. very very often. But for me, looking now, if you've sort of held them for twenty years and you're just happy to do that, that's, there's different tax considerations. But as someone who's looking at it now with fresh capital to deploy, uh, not not for me. Oh, but but I've missed I've missed I've missed the thing that you, you were driving at here, and I'll let you to elaborate. I'll let you elaborate on it more. But that that nineteen percent rise in profit, there's 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 a little bit more to the story there. There's a lot more to the story, Andrew. In fact, the operating growth, the operating growth and operating profit is better way to put it of CBA was not nineteen point seven or eighteen point seven or fifteen point seven or ten point seven or two point seven. It's actually one point either seven or one point nine. I think it was one point seven percent. So you have the trumpeted 98.7% growth in profit. And we go, hey! And he said, well, actually, other, other than some paper transaction change, literally, they rubbed, they took the rubber, they rubbed out one number, wrote another number in, and that took their profit growth from 1.7% to 19.7%. Ex- ex- explain yourself. So this is, oh, man, hey, <laughs> welcome to the Bank Accounting Podcast. Uh, it gets exciting right now. For all Here's the, the insomniacs out there, this yeah. is the podcast. This year, last time, CBA looked around and went, oh, my God, this could go to hell in the proverbial handbasket. The economy's in trouble. Uh, people aren't paying their mortgages. Banks want deferrals on their loans. We might be in a recession. It might go forever. This could get really, really ugly. So they said, look, you know what we'll do? We'll take a $2.3 billion provision for the possibility that people won't pay their debts. Now, the accounting rules require, this is where it gets really boring, require you to basically look at your, if you're a bank, look at your book and say, how much of this mightn't get paid back? And you have to tote that up. And that was $2.3 billion for ComBank. And this is right. So we have to declare there's a loss in the current year. You have to, you have to when you know it's going to happen or think it might happen, you have to put it in that year's financial. So last year, they said, you know what? This could go badly. It could cost us $2.3 billion dollars. We'll put that on the books. That will record a not a loss, but a much lower profit because of that impact last year. That's what happened. Can I just so, can I just cool. elaborate just on that a little bit? So, so in terms of their, like, think of the Scrooge McDuck uh, 
cash vault there. The CBA's got all this money here. That doesn't actually go anywhere. That money is still there. Yeah, that's right. It's exactly. just the financial statements. It's they quarantined. Say it's quarantined. Yep. We, 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 we basically pick it up and we put it from this bucket and we put it into another bucket. We still own both the buckets. They're both our buckets. Yes. But but we're gonna we're gonna say and this is all this isn't dodgy stuff this is very prudent stuff. No, it's legitimate. Completely. Totally legitimate. And you know what? Stuff. I gotta say it was actually it was actually super. Pro- I'm really glad they did it. It was super responsible. Yeah. Yep. Super appropriate. It was exactly what they should have done. Not only are they allowed to, not only is it not, not legal and, and if, you know fair and reasonable, it was actually a really 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 good appropriate conservative thing to do. As soon as a business feels as though there's a high chance that it's going to take a loss in the future, you need to put that money aside to 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 cover that uh, that that loss that you expect yep. in good faith. Um, so yeah, just, yep. j- just wanted to drill that. And now as it, now as it turns out, it, it, oh, actually we didn't need to do, we didn't need to do that. And therefore that, that money gets picked up out of that bucket and put back in the original bucket. So nothing's really changed right. with the cash, but on the accounting term, that's where you go from a, a, a very low operating rate of growth to a very high statutory rate of growth. Right. Because last year, when you move the bucket, when you move the money from the cash bucket to the, I might have to give this someone else bucket, that's a loss, mm-hmm. right? So it's, it's, it's an expense. This year, you say, oh, I'm going to put that money back in the original bucket. So, oh, I just made a profit. Look at that. And again, neither of these is inappropriate. I'm not suggesting for a second, not even underhandedly. I'm not even trying to do the whole, you know, allegedly thing. They, they, there's nothing wrong. This is completely appropriate. What is not uh, as, I won't say not as appropriate because it'll get me in trouble. What is not as ideal is when the company then trumpets a 20% profit growth as if that actually happened, right? As if that was actually representative mm. of the fundamental underpinnings of the business. Because mm. you know what? It wasn't. This is not operating profit at all. This is a re- reversal of a one-off impact last year, which is legitimate and appropriate and right. But I would have preferred any business in this case to say, you know what? Underlying profit was up 1.7%. That's what you should focus on. Because mm. that's what matters, yep. you know? Now, you can argue if you're a, if you're a CBA died in the wall massive Uber fan and shareholder, you might say, well, bad debts are core business. So it's not normal or underlying. It's, you know, provisions are, are part of their day-to-day business. It is real profit. I guess that is true. But again, you've got to remember that this happened last year as well. The, the negative was last year. The positive is this year. Ongoing, CBA's operating business grew less than 2%. And by the way, their costs were up about 3%. Revenue was up about 2%, something like that. They made a little bit of money on the net interest margin between the cost of borrowing and what they paid. This is not a business that is growing like the clappers, despite the fact house prices are going through the roof, despite the fact business lending was up, and CBA, apparently for their own numbers, took market share. Mm. So this, look, I'm going to say this is a really, really, if, you are, if you're running a big bank and you can take market share and get double-digit growth in lending in business and residential, you're doing a fantastic job. But to me, this is like Qantas, right? If, if Qantas doesn't go broke, Alan Joyce deserves as much money as they pay him. Because mm. keeping an airline out of bankruptcy is a superhuman effort. <laughs> mm. Similarly, if you own one of the big four banks and the biggest of the four banks, and you can grow at just a bit above the, the rate of growth of the whole system, you've done really, really well. Mm. You've taken market share. You've done exactly what we, we want you to do. You've stewarded the business beautifully. You've got growth. Congratulations. Well done. But that's only worth a 1.7% profit growth. And that is the key number. You, have, you almost saw nowhere. Mm. Almost nowhere did you see that number reported. No. And that's important. No. All right. Um, and speaking of <laughs> speaking of which, a couple of businesses we won't spend too long on, but we need to cover some of the big names this week because they've reported Telstra and AMP, um, two businesses that are hopefully, I think, from their perspective, cutting their way to greatness, <laughs> trying to shrink to to excellence. Yeah. Um, Telstra's profit. I own Telstra shares, by the way, for 
along with complicated reasons I have mentioned before, I'll probably mention again at the end so people know what's going on. Uh, I got some grief about it from a share advisor member the other day, so I'll explain that. Um, Telstra profit fell 11.6%. They held their dividend at eight cents a share, much to the relief of many mum and dad investors like some of the people listening now. Um, I'll happily take my, my cut of that dividend too. Shares are up 25% this year, mate. It's, mm. a, it's an interesting business. And this is one of those things where you say, hang on, profit's down 12%, shares are up. A reminder that, by the way, these two don't, don't march in lockstep because either the shares are too expensive now or they're too cheap back then or something according to the market because the business is going backwards but the share price is going up. It's a it's a heck of a it's a heck of a story. Telstra just doesn't seem to be able to. I spoke about the size of the market and system growth. Telstra still is the market, and the market's not growing because we're all paying less and less for more and more data. And mm. Telstra's kind of stuck being the incumbent. Being the incumbent's wonderful as long as your category is growing. But if there's something structural in the decline of your business mm. or the, the category as a whole, it's a really hard thing to do, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I. <laughs> they, they was they. Even when they had a lot of uh, monopoly advantages, um, they weren't really doing that great for shareholders. And now they, they're structurally yeah. disadvantaged with the NBN and, and the rest of it. Um, and and they're just being potentially disrupted from so many different sides. It's it's going to be tough. I, again, I think I put it in the category of, um, it, to your point earlier on in the podcast, there is a price I think this makes sense. Back in the day when I did yep. dividend yep. investor with the full, I was getting close mm-hmm. to $3. I thought, well, you know, it's yeah. not going to grow much, but there's a decent dividend yep. that's coming through and you can make a case. Or that's, that's, there's an argument to be made there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a huge increase in the share price. Um, just having a quick look at the forecasts that are out there from people who, you know, they, they, they focus on, on the telco sector. The dividend is at 16 cents per share and you go out as far as you, the eye can see and there's no increase in that. So the, the, the boffins are sort of saying you'll, you'll get 16 cents a share from here until eternity for, you know, for all intents and yeah. purposes. Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a yield of 3.4%. Now add in your franking credits, that gets closer to about 4.8%. Um, mm. But that's it. There's no growth there. So I've mentioned before, there's a really handy formula for, for these kinds of stocks. It's called the Gordon mm. Growth mm. Formula. You basically take the yield and you add the expected growth to, in dividends to that. Well, the growth in dividends is zero. So your total return is going to be at best 4.7%. So if that's, yeah. if that's what you, if you're happy with that, um, fill your boots. <laughs> and it's certainly a hell of a lot better than a term deposit, right? It's, it's certainly yeah. better than any some, investment property. Credits, probably. Yeah, 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 yep. yep. Well, that's 4.8% with yep. franking credits. I've factored in oh, the right, franking okay, credits. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay. Without the franking yep. credits, it's 3.4%. So- you know, it's 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 it, I yeah. For for me, it's very hard to get excited, especially when when you're facing all those structural issues. Uh, it's it's a it's pretty ho hum as far as I'm concerned. What do you yeah. think? So I own, I'll, I'll explain very quickly. I own shares in Telstra. Uh, we sold it from Share Advisor, uh, but we still own it in Motley Fool Everlasting Income, which is our income first service, uh, and. As advisors at the Motley Fool, our company policies, we're going to let it trade against recommendations. So while I sold it from one, um, we still own it as an as active buy recommendation in the other. So I, I have my shares. I don't think it's going to be a market better either, mate. And mm-hmm. that's unusual for the Motley Fool because every single one of our other services aims to beat the market. Everlasting income aims to de- deliver a tax-effective income stream uh, with some moderate capital growth. Mm-hmm. For people who just, that's, that's retirement portfolios generally, we want to take a portfolio, get a monthly income from it. That's what that does. So yeah. uh, I could apply to sell it. Uh, I'm sure it'll be approved. I just feel like I, I, I don't kind of feel like I should, so I don't. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens from there. Um, it's 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 a tough one, mate. I, I think 
as I said, my, my biggest concern for Telstra is it's the incumbent in a slow growing hmm. or maybe even declining in terms of margins sector. We're paying less and less for more and more data, as I said. The capital costs don't change to supply that. So if I, I use my phone and I can get Telstra's tower and that tower needs to be there, maybe even need more towers, but I'm paying less for data this year than I was last year and less again next year. Same amount of data, same towers required. In fact, the towers need to be upgraded and replaced. 5G, 6G, 7G, 848G. Uh, that's the Bill Gates version. Hmm. Um, at some point, that's the, you know, that has to that has to happen. And, and so there is a structural challenge for that business. I had... We, when we recommended it for Share Advisor, I had hoped the mobile business would grow fast enough where it has some pricing power, has some differentiation rather than being an MBN reseller, mm. um, but it's, it's just not. And so it's been a disappointing recommendation. We sold it um, at the right time, I think, got out and saved some money for our members. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, that, that's, why I'm not, that's why I'm not recommending it as a, as a market beater. But I think it's a, you know, it's doing a, a bit like I said, a bit like Qantas, it's doing a credible job of remaining there when everyone's snapping at its heels, your margins are falling. Doesn't mean you should invest in it, by the way, just because mm. I think Andy Penn's doing a pretty good job. Doesn't make it investable. So I wouldn't if I was trying to beat the market. Mm. Um, but it's also important too. I think when you're, you know, we talk about the shares a lot and it's important to talk about the shares separately from the business. And even the business model separate from the management ability or skill or whatever they're doing, again, doesn't mean they should get credit for, you know, not going broke quicker. Mm. Uh, but there is something there in terms of, you know, trying to maximise the value from the circumstances you're giving. He's playing the playing the hand he's dealt. Getting paid a fortune for it. I'm not saying you should feel sorry for him. Uh, but, you know, he can't be, um, uh, you know, a, a small, scrappy, telco CEO making a fortune growing like the Clappers because you're Telstra, right? You've only got so much opportunity to do that. You're already the market. Mm. Mate, mm. let's, speaking of then, move to AMP quickly because that's, um, I want to get something much more interesting and exciting in a minute. But AMP, again, another decline. <laughs> the new CEO said, I was seeing positive signs and I haven't done a Google for that because I can't bring myself to Google AMP positive signs. <laughs> but I would imagine four or five times over the last 25 years, that's been trotted out. Um, they've made some big changes, mate. They're moving away from the, the vertical integration model. They're going to effectively a financial advice only model. They're dropping the in-house funds to try and give their advisors somewhere to go uh, some sort of, I won't say credibility because I don't want to imply they don't have any currently, but, you know, separating out the otherwise potentially conflicted recommendations. Um, I don't, it, it, it's a difficult one to look at because, I, look, frankly, too hard basket for me. Let me let me say it outright. Mm. But it's changing so quickly. It's it's not it's not our father's AMP. It's not even our AMP, right? The, the AMP of tomorrow is not like the AMP of yesterday, let alone three, five, 10, 25 years ago. So, it's, it's a harder one to analyse with any view of history other than the fact they keep managing to lose money because they can't change fast enough. And maybe that's why it's analogous to some degree to Telstra because if you're the dinosaur, you've got to either get religion really fast or you just get quarantined. You get, well, bad, bad word to use these days probably. Mm. You get consigned to the, to, the, to the sidelines, right? Because if you're not a brand new fintech, if you're not agile, if you don't keep your costs low, if you don't respond in the way that the sector is changing... You know, AMP was, as I've said many times, in 1980, it was the national name in financial services. It should be today the biggest financial services business in the country, probably the biggest company in the ASX. And yet it's barely on life support. Yeah. It's, it's been managed terribly. <laughs> like just how... We were often talked before about mandated super contribution, which was government mandated <laughs> cash flows right. to direct to your coffers. And I, right. you know, we talk about ethical investing and everyone thinks mm -hmm. of tobacco and coal. I 
I would think mm. if you're an ethical investor, you'd stay a mile away from these guys as well. I mean, they've done nothing. I, they, their, their returns on most of their funds are woeful. Um, no wonder asset under management has just been consistently falling as people take their money away, as they rightly should, and have been mm, bent mm. over and, and just charged a fortune for this woeful performance. They've sold – we saw, remember, in the Royal Commission, all of the bad, frankly, illegal behaviour that they've done. Like, you'd think mm, mm, with mm. all of your advantage and all of your dodginess, you could kind of there's, – there's a certain lens you could go, well, at least shareholders made out like bandits. But but you didn't you did all of that and you still lost money and not just a little bit like shares are down ninety two percent since since they listed you know it just I can't I can't AMP is my go to when I want to talk about how crap some of the blue chips are out there it, it is it is it is probably one of the worst stocks on the ASX don't we can't give advice but my advice is don't go near it and if you've got it get the hell out because it, maybe there's a one in ten chance that I'm wrong <laughs> but but you know the, the, the trouble with this is as well is that this isn't a business where an engineer can get in and replace a part and. Uh, maybe maybe add in some some more efficient processes. It's a it's a people business, mm. and it's a very big people business. And culture is one of the most difficult things to change, and yeah, and yeah. and the culture is is not great as I understand. I think that, and that's so you can bring in a new CEO and he can do whatever he likes or she can do whatever mm. she likes, you know. But it's just it's 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 like turning the Titanic. It's just going to be so slow mm. to move mm. it to turn that around if you can do it at all. I just think yeah. you're a sucker for punishment at this point. And it has been a value trap the whole way down because uh, to your earlier point, you know, you, you could say, yeah, I see what you're saying, but now it's cheap enough. Now it's in the price. Now it's in the price. And it's just, you know, it, it's, well, so far, no, it, it hasn't been. And and I wish them, no, I don't. I don't even wish them well. Uh, they don't deserve it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm being really blunt here, but uh, I I, I don't want to waste any more oxygen on it. I think it's a dog of a stock and a very a, one that's done a lot of damage to a lot of Australians over the years. I'm gonna I'm gonna draw one more. I'm gonna waste one more bit of breath on it, mate. For as an investing lesson, I I'm gonna suppose I'm gonna, I'm gonna postulate you were too hard on management. I, only in the sense that I my lesson here for me, and I've seen in other businesses, is some companies just get too calcified to actually change. Mm. And there's the Buffett line about if you meet a you know, if you combine a, rep, a business with uh, sorry again a manager with a reputation for brilliance and a business with a reputation for bad economics, it's the business's reputation that comes out intact. Yep. In other words, there's only so you know a good manager can do wonderful things with even half decent businesses. You can put the best CEO in the world in charge of AMP, and I still reckon it sucks. Yeah. And I think that's you know I don't know that that's true, and I'm not trying to give management a free pass on AMP over the last 25 years. Frankly, they could and should have done more, but I, I will take the same approach to Telstra. They they have they're still still how many years since Telstra won? Twenty four years. Yeah. Since the first right. Telstra float, um, they are still trying to reform a bloated, lazy, calcified government institution. I don't mean lazy for the people. I mean culturally, try to turn that into a new age telco competing with the startups the likes of Aussie Broadband and others. Hard. It's just a stupidly hard job, right? Like I I don't know if I could, I don't think well. I'll, so I don't know if I could do it as if I had a chance. I couldn't do it. Mm. I don't think I think most CEOs could. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let AMP management off the hook, but I will say to some degree, geez, they had a poison chalice. That that's a bloody tough job to try to get, you know, this whole thing about elephants can't dance, right? How do you get AMP to become a new age financial services business? Maybe you can't, 
Maybe it takes forever. Maybe it takes 30 years and that's another four years to go. Maybe it goes broke while they're trying. But it's just a just, – that's the only thing I wanted to add is easy to blame management, probably deserved, but in the off chance, also very, very possible that if you're looking for investing – you mentioned the too hard basket and degrees of difficulty. If you're looking for something to buy, um, if it's if it's a tough, struggling business already, backing on a management to turn that around is just really, 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 really risky and the returns are probably not going to justify the risk you're taking. Yep, get out. Mate, my favourite day of the year, my favourite finance, well, second favourite, my favourite finance day of the year is the budget, but that's a whole different story I'm not going to go into now. God, you're um, a for, for very nerdy reasons. <laughs> I know. I love the budget. Um, but So quickly for two reasons, finance, which is what we love, and democracy. I just love the idea of politicians actually kind of making a, a centrepiece of here's how we plan to spend your money. And yes, democracy in Australia is not as good as it could be. And yes, governments and oppositions and blah, blah, blah. I just like, I just it's, it symbolises something for me, which is pretty cool about living in a democracy. I can, All right, moving on. Yep, I can see moving that. Moving on. Um, second favourite day is the Vanguard Index Chart Day, which I've, I, I've called it that. That's now its official holiday <laughs> title. Uh, I, I didn't get a day off yesterday, but I, but I probably, I probably should have. Um, Vanguard, the not-for-profit fund manager, releases every year an updated version of its 30-year index chart. And it just shows lines on a page. If we started 30 years earlier, so in this case, in on July 1 of 1981, out of the, no, 91, Jesus, I'm, not, I'm getting old. I thought 1991 was 30 years ago, it's 40 years ago. 1991 from, from today. And they just draw the ASX. They draw, well, not literally, draw the US market. They draw property. They draw cash. They draw bonds. Uh, I think I might draw inflation. I can't remember now. I'm not looking in front of me. And they just produce it. One page, A4 if you want, A3 if you want to do it a little bit bigger because it's lots of squiggly lines. And it just shows what would have happened to $10,000 invested on the 1st of July, 1991, up until the 30th of June this year. And if you're not sitting down, sit down unless you're walking somewhere or you know it would be unsafe to sit down don't do that but if you're if you're not sitting down sit down $10,000 on July 1 1991 if you'd used that money to buy Australian shares you hadn't sold you hadn't paid any brokerage costs and we know that's a bit un- unreasonable you hadn't paid any taxes and again we know that's a bit unreasonable but stick with me $10,000 became drum roll dollars you sat in your backside, you went fishing, you went shopping, you patted the dog, you went to work, you, whatever you did. Since July 1, 1991, you put your 10 grand in, you lost the password, you never checked the account, you didn't do anything to it, you didn't touch it, you didn't buy, you didn't sell. 10 grand to $160,000 in 30 years for doing nothing, mm. nothing. 150 grand for nothing. I, I, <laughs> this, we can't do the visuals. We probably shouldn't do the visuals. Just trust me when I say, Google, I say this regularly, Google, Vanguard Index Chart 2021. Pull it up and have a look. If that doesn't convince you of the power of compounding, you are not trying. I said, if you look at it and you don't understand, keep looking till you do understand because it may well be, I said to the guys yesterday, a bit in jest, of course, a bit of hyperbole, it is possibly the most valuable piece of paper you will ever hold in your hands. Mm. Because if you can, if you can help, if you can let it, Help you understand the power of compounding. As I said, if you pick that up 30 years ago, I don't know if they printed it 30 years ago, let's say they did, and put 10 grand away on that say-so, that piece of paper would be responsible, plus the ASX, a whole lot of companies in a whole lot of time, in turning 10 grand into $160,000. I love it. Um, a couple of things that always stick out for me is that what what uh, while that number is very big, it's also a very wriggly line. It moves around all over the place. And they do, yeah, yeah. they do you the favour of putting cash on there as well and bonds, very, very, yeah. very low risk investments. 
Um, yeah. Now, no surprises for guessing where they end up on the ranking, like right down the bottom. And we often talk, well, the, the mm-hmm. academics often talk about investment risk and they'll say shares are super risky and cash is, there's yeah. no risk in cash. And that's true, uh, but the big asterisk there is depending on the time frame. Because if I put mm. 10 grand of cash in the bank, you know, beside the, yep. beside the world collapsing, that's going to be there um, next year uh, yeah. with a little bit of interest. So there's, no, there's virtually mm-hmm. there's no risk on that. But when you yep. look at longer time frames, cash is, and bonds are just hyper-risky investments, hyper-risky because, the, the, you know, with $10,000 in cash in 91 is now worth $38,000 today. Yep. And in fact, 20,000 well, 20, uh, 20, of that is in inflation. <laughs> so in real terms, mm-hmm. you've actually just, you've doubled your money over, over that massive, whereas the other one you've gone up by tenfold or 14fold after inflation. So, so, so to think that cash and, and bonds are low risk is only true over short timeframes. What worries me is a little bit of a segue is that, you know, when you, you first start your job and your employer puts a bit of paper underneath you saying, oh, we've got to put some money into super for you, tick which box you want. And it'll have one box for shares and it'll say high risk and they'll say another, ba- yeah, I know. they'll say balanced I hate that. <laughs> and they'll say low risk. Now, any sensible yeah. 23-year-old is going to look at that mm-hmm. and go, yeah. well, I don't yeah. want to take high risk. This is my retirement savings. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to pick the balance. And yes. I've all of my, I've yes. just all of my my family of that age, they just sort of say, I oh, know. Andrew, I'm, look, I, I did the right thing and I ticked low risk. And I was like, oh my God, don't do it. <laughs> yeah, tick the highest risk one because- and, and the reason the reason is is this chart, right? Yeah. Is yeah. is because yeah. it, it is now. If if you're 55, very different story, you know. Yeah, if you're 65, right. that right. you capital preservation becomes the main main focus, and yeah. that and that's when you'll yeah. say, look, I'll take the lower rates of return with cash, knowing that it's going to yeah. be there. To but but I just, I hate if I could do one thing to change the legislation, or yeah. I would I would get rid of those words because they are very very misleading, and it forces yeah. otherwise very sensible people who just don't know because yeah. they they don't. No, um, uh, yeah, should, to make bad decisions it with the word volatility, be done with it. Yes, you could change people's lives diametrically if you just said, "Is it, is it high risk?" No, it's just high volatility. Oh, so yep. some years we good and some years bad. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Oh, okay, then. Well, that seems reasonable. I got forty years. I'll wait. Yep. But when you say risk, like, well, I might lose the money then. Well, you know, and this no. is the uh, academics have got a lot to answer for. When 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 the academics somehow convinced us to call volatility risk. Yep. That was that was the you know, I would. <laughs> I'm going to, just for the fun of it, probably cost trillions of dollars for investors. Mm. Yeah, probably. literally over, yeah. Over, over 60, 80 years across the world. Yeah, that very concept. Every investor who's selling, I'll take low risk. Thank you because of that. God knows how much money it's cost them. But if you think about Australia's superannuation pool, or something like four trillion bucks. Let's say half of that's in um, in balanced or low risk, and let's say it doubles every you know. Mm. 10, 12 years, or hopefully seven or eight if you're in shares. Yeah, yeah, easily trillions of dollars, right? Over the next decade. Probably cost people a couple of trillion bucks. Absolutely. The other the other thing I really love about this chart is that they they put over the top of it they put um, peri- interesting periods in world history, and they also put um, yes the, great, isn't it? the current administration in there so you can see how yeah, the market yeah, performed yeah. over Clinton, Bush, Obama, Trump, over Howard, Rudd, Gillard, Abbott, Turnbull. Yes, no, no, yes, coro- no yeah. correlation. So you know, yeah. straight away, forget forget uh, you know whether it's Democrats or Republicans or Liberals or Labor. Yeah, yeah. That, that that does not yeah. make a difference. But but 
But also what does not make a difference is, and I'll just read out a few highlights here, there, there was the Australian recession in the early 90s, there was the Asian financial crisis in 1997, there was the terrorist attacks in 2001, there was the dot-com bubble burst in, in late 2000, there was the Bali bombings, mm. there was the second mm. Iraq war, there was the Japan tsunami, there was the collapse of Lehman Brothers, there was... Da, 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 like, you know, I'm, I'm going to run yeah, out, I don't yeah, have time yeah. to read them all, you know, and yet, yeah, exactly, and exactly. yet, it's basic, let's round it up here from 9.7% per annum to 10% per annum. You've doubled your money every seven years, despite yep, all of yep, that. Yep, yep. You know, it's just it's just the 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 easiest thing in the world for your long term wealth creation uh, goals is just <laughs> get on this train <laughs> and 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 do whatever you can to to stay on it. Yep. And just yep, ignore exactly. all the idiot brokers out there that are going to tell you that you need to cycle into this and you need to put stop loss yep. orders and you need to yep, trade exactly. this and you need to do that. Just buy an ETF, big and and, and do not if you do nothing else. Um, you'll do extraordinarily well. It's just, unfortunately, it's not a get rich quick, but it is a get rich slow mm-hmm. and it's it's virtually guaranteed. Yeah, I agree, I agree. Um, yeah, Google Vanguard Index Chart 2021. Please do that. You know what, mate? I don't ask people to follow me on Facebook. I mean, I always mention it, but I don't ask them specifically. If you don't want to Google Vanguard Index Chart, I don't blame you. At least, here's the thing. Don't, like me on Facebook if you want. Don't like me, I don't care. Just go to facebook.com slash Money. Don't hit like and subscribe if you don't want to. You won't be stoned. I don't know whether Facebook will follow you around, but I'm not advertising from that page, so hopefully not. Um, you won't see anything from me, I don't think, after that if you don't like it. But at least read the article. I posted it on, what's today? Posted it on Wednesday. Um, and it's just a picture and an explanation. And if you do nothing else, at least please do that for me. Um, I don't want anything out of it. That's my, it's a work page, but it's a personal page. Not the thought doesn't own it. Um, there's nothing in it for me other than maybe if you want to follow me feel free but if you don't that's cool just do it for, for me do it for you um, I, I've said before um, Andrew's the same we do this job because we want to help people and if I can help a, a half a dozen people who say that and go oh I get it now that's that's worth everything to, to me for you to do this podcast so please do that go to full, facebook.com forward slash Scott Phillips money have a look at Wednesday's article have a read look at the photo or the picture um, hopefully it, it, uh, it tells you the story yeah, yeah. alright mate we're done we're done. Uh, speaking of socials, they can follow you on Twitter at strawmaninvest mm-hmm. or at sage underscore Simeon. Mm-hmm. You can follow me on Twitter or Insta at TMF Scott P. The Motley Fool on Insta or Twitter at The Motley Fool AU. I've already given my Facebook, but The Motley Fools, if you want to, is at is just forward slash The Motley Fool Australia. Pretty straightforward. Do please like and subscribe to this podcast. If you wouldn't mind, please leave us a rating and a review if you're so inclined. It helps other people find the podcast, help it get rated higher, all that good stuff. And we appreciate that. In the meantime, mate, should we come back on Sunday? I'm here. I'm, I'm keen. I'm here and I'm keen. <laughs> here and you're keen. That's, that, that's not going to catch on. I'm there and I'm keen. I don't know. Yeah. We'll, 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 we'll cut this later. Yeah, yeah. Please. Okay. That was a disappointing end. Until then, <laughs> fool on. Bye. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services licence 400691. Listener.